And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gans with Mike Miller, and we want to thank you uh, for tuning into the program here tonight. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, It is a new year. We are in January of 2024. Man, uh, I was at church this uh, last Sunday, and I was talking to um, one of the the ladies from the church that, that I've known for a very long time. I knew her from when I was a child. We went to Fellowship Baptist Church together, uh, and now we're both attending uh, the church where we attend now. And um, we were just talking about how fast time goes. And as you get older, it seems like it just goes by even quicker, you know? So I don't know, Mike, I'm sure you can relate to, I know you're younger than me, but, uh, you know, uh, still time, you just just keeps on ticking yeah you just can't can't control it you can only do what god has given to you in fact i've kind of lays a little bit to what we will be talking about today with mm-hmm. jonathan edwards he and his resolutions the topic of tonight discusses time discusses how to use it i think it's it just brings up a, a lot of scriptures about asking the Lord to help us to number our days. Right. Um, because I think, I think it's everyone experience that time just goes mm. and there's no way to stop it. I think it progressively gets faster. Yeah. Perceived to get faster as a kid. It feels like it takes forever. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, like, feels like I just got back from the States not too long. I mean, it's been some years since I've been in England mm-hmm. and then to think about it, it's been over 10 years. It's like, man, it doesn't seem like that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like 10 years ago I came back. Yeah. No, I, I completely know exactly what you're talking about, man. It's like <clears throat> being in the military and being away and I'm 47 years old and I don't, I don't think about it like that. Like I don't, my body feels like it, Yeah, but I don't think about it. I don't think like, Oh, you're you're old. And and the time has just gone by so quickly. And it feels like, you know, like when people ask me how long I've been at where I work now and I'm like, Oh, it's been like 16, 17 years. And then I, I think about that when I, when I, when I give them the answer and I think, man, it just feels like yesterday I was starting Uh this job and yet it's, that much time is gone, you yeah. know? Uh, and as you said, and so going into the new year, I thought um, it would be good to look at the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards and um, just kind of reading through them and then talking about them. Um, we set this up in a three part series because there's 70 resolutions and we'll go through some tonight. And, and we've got a couple more programs where we'll, we'll try to finish this out in a series but just some things to reflect upon as we've started this new year, some things that that he has resolved to do um, in his lifetime and what we can maybe glean from and reflect upon and think about as we're starting a new year. Because, I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all made resolutions. This year, I'm not going to eat this kind of food or I'm going to you know, start exercising or I'm going to go do these other activities that I don't usually do. I'm going to go spend more time over here as opposed to what I've been doing before. And they fall through, right? Pretty quickly, Mm -hmm. right? But when it comes to 
um, having these resolutions and, and as John, Jonathan Edwards wrote these and resolved to do these things, I think as Christians, we, we have to think about not that we're perfect, not that we won't fall at times or, or falter at times or fail, I should say, you know, at times uh, in trying to be faithful in redeeming the little bit of time that we do have. Um, but to think about these things and to seek to do what we do with our time and our decisions throughout the year unto the glory of God. And, and I think that's ultimately what Jonathan Edwards was seeking to do to the glory of God. And as Christians, we should always be seeking to do what we do to the glory of God. Paul says, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever it is we do, do unto the glory of God. And I think we can get so busy and wrapped up and we can think about, oh yeah, people do those New Year's resolutions, but I don't even bother with those things. But it is good to reflect and to think as we go into this new year, and now we're in this new year, I should say, um, what could we set our minds to that can help us in our walk with the Lord? Yeah, I think this obviously is a new year. There's a prompting for this. I think this is something we should always be thinking about, uh, whether we do it well or not. We probably do it about two times a year, be my guess. And it is January 1st and whatever your birthday is. Like those are kind of when we start thinking about these things. And it's, again, that's the idea of time. A little bit older, you think about what your life is like and to consider this. Um, I think it was Stephen Nichols. I was reading on the resol on um, Whitfield's resolutions about his desire to not be an old person and say, I wish I would have done this mm. and to think about what that means. And so I think it calls us to, again, to think about our current situation, in our lives, and then to consider what we want our lives to look like. And then the steps on how to, to get there and, and what that will look like. And essentially that's what the resolutions are from Edwards. They're like mm -hmm. his way of saying, this is what I want my life to look like. Mm -hmm. And he just happened to write 70 of them. Yeah. Well, why don't you go ahead, Mike, and give us a little uh, introduction into Jonathan Edwards. And I know last week you mentioned too, that it took him a year as he's writing out these resolutions. Yeah. So maybe you want to speak on that a little bit as well, but uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about, about Jonathan Edwards. So, yeah, Jonathan Edwards is considered by most to be the greatest mind American ever produced, which is a really telling that he's a theologian of theologians in America. Um, he was born in 1703. He's considered a Puritan. He's considered American a Puritan. He grew up in that type of culture. He studied at Yale. You, um, at the time, it's Yale College. We now know that it's Yale University. And... Around 1720, 1722, 23, somewhere in those range, that is when Jonathan Edwards pens the 70 resolutions. Um, Stephen Nichols talks about, we don't know exact dates, but we know that like his 25th was late in 1722 and his 70th is dated kind of late 17. 23. So it took him about a year in thinking about these. And like I mentioned earlier, he thinks about these 
in a way that makes it where he doesn't want to regret the life he lives. Mm -hmm. And there is, so there's importance of how he is thinking about this and he's doing it at a pivotal age. He's 19, 20, somewhere in that range. And he's just now trying to figure out what he's wanting to do. He has his degrees from Yale. And so he writes these resolutions. He will become a pastor in 1726. He's an associate pastor with his grandfather in Northampton, Massachusetts. He will pastor there until he's kicked out in 1750. So about 24 years or so. Um, During this time, he is part of the Great Awakening, the First Great Awakening. This prompts his study on his book on the lectures of revival. So he's trying to what define what is revival, what we're going. And what he talks about, how he defines this, and compared to Finney later, but he defines a revival of a mysterious work of God, which God converts sinners. And he converts sinners in a one location with great abundance, I guess is probably mm-hmm. the bigger part is abundance of it. That is, you see whole churches being converted by the gospel. Finney also writes about him a hundred years later is about revivals where he talks about it more as the church becoming more holy. That's the point of revivals. There's a part big departure there. And theology plays a part of that. Jonathan Edwards is Calvinistic. He holds to Calvinism. He's um, post-millennial, which Puritans are during that time. Most are, although there are some probably all mills, that's kind of a a fuzzy line within Puritanism. That's kind of Mm -hmm. anachronistic to think about it. But revival starts, the great revival starts in his church in 1734. I'm sorry, I'm kind of looking off of some stuff here inside um it is after this that he starts um really preaching in 1741 edward preaches his probably most famous um sermon sins sinners in the hands of an angry god Mm. he talks about you know he gives that idea of that the spider on a thread over a fire a cauldron and he's just being held there um about to die and that is what sinners are in the hands of an angry God. Um, a few le- years later, he will write a treatise concerning your religious affections. So thinking about emotions, what does it mean to have true religious affections mm-hmm. or emotions? We're not just cold orthodox. It's Christianity is not cold orthodoxy. There is There should be a well emotion. This is what the Puritans bring out. A mm-hmm. lot of times too. Puritans are, and obviously Jonathan Edwards being in it, um, kind of the third aspect of Reformation is now this experiential theology. You know, how do emotions play into it? Like I said earlier, in 1750, he's demissed from his church in Northampton, and then he is, serves as a missionary um, in Massachusetts to Native Americans for about seven years or so, and then he is called to be the president of the college of New Jersey. Um, this college of New Jersey will be later renamed Princeton. 
And so you think of all the lines of the of the old Princeton theologians of A.A. Hodge, um, Charles Hodge. Um, I can't think of others right now. There's a whole slew kind of in that late, the mid 19th century, 1850s or so. Jonathan Edwards is present there, but shortly about a month, just over a month later, he dies of smallpox there in Princeton, uh, New Jersey at the college um, where he goes and sees the Lord face to face. And so that is the man. There is a lot of work by him. I believe Yale, not Yale, Princeton has released online all of his works or in the process of doing it where you can go and read all 60 some volumes of his works um, through the um, Jonathan Edwards archive. Um, so if you ever get a hankering to read some Jonathan Edwards, you can do that. Obviously more of his famous works like the treatise concerning religious affections, his sermon sinners in the hand of the angry God, his farewell sermons when he left the church in Northampton and other books can also his more popular books um, can be bought um, in hardback forms. And if yeah. you want to read more about him, I have a book here, The Unwavering Resolve to Jonathan Edwards by Stephen Lawson. Mm -hmm. um, so I've enjoyed Stephen Lawson's little short biographies. Um, mm -hmm. George Marston has the, is kind of the academic big one. If you really want to give, get, go deep into, Jonathan Edwards life, but if you just want a, a quick glimpse, um, you can't go wrong reading what Lawson has said about him. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, when you think about these universities, Yale and Princeton, um, and where they are today, uh -huh. uh, the influence that was there. Just a side note real quick. Um, when you was mentioning and talking about, uh, Jonathan Edwards and you said Calvinism, that he was Calvinistic, you know, and then as soon as you mentioned post-millennialism, I saw people drop out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just saying, uh, we're back I mean, up there. <laughs> I'm just but, <clears throat> like, just, uh, just being realistic. That's what he is. Yeah. Like, yeah. obviously I think there's difference between post postmodern now and then what there is there. Right. Right. Is he really postmodern? I mean, a lot of this is, um, Anachronistic as we're taking our terms and how we understand them and trying to figure out where these people fit within this continuum. Um, but yeah, he, he was a, a post mill, yeah. um, at least I in just thought the advancement of the gospel. I just thought it was funny. It could have been coincidence, but as soon as you started talking about post-millennialism, I saw numbers drop a little <laughs> bit and I said, man, these people, I'll tell you, they're so fickle. <laughs> no, no, <So> <laughs> No, but um, I, I do think it's 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 interesting to think of his life and what uh -huh. he's contributed to um, uh, to the the Christians that we can glean from today. And I think as you was talking about him not wanting to waste his life, I'll tell you, um, John Piper, uh, and we've talked about John Piper uh, before. Uh -huh. I know he's very popular with the don't waste your life kind of series, um, you know, Christian hedonism type things, but it was Jonathan, it was John Piper who got me introduced more so to Jonathan Edwards. Like I've heard of Jonathan Edwards, knew the name, but the way that Piper would talk about religious affections and preach with this affectionate desire for God. And I know Piper says some things sometimes that 
where like, okay, you could be more clear and, and um, sometimes he gets a bad rap, but he really did kind of tune me into more of Jonathan Edwards and this idea, this thought that our, our faith and our religion is not dead and it's not cold, right? Even though from, from my understanding, Edwards wasn't a flashy kind of preacher. He wasn't very both like, um, um, uh, um, what's the word, uh, when you're charismatic in the way that he would preach, it was pretty plain, you know, but yet there's still, regardless of a style of, of a preacher you are, the, the, the affections that we have for God and his word and walking that out, um, it shouldn't just be cold, dead, uh, religion. Right. Yeah. And Piper, um, Jonathan Edwards has a big impact on Piper. Piper's mm. whole ministry resolves around the impact of Jonathan Edwards on him. In fact, when you think about the slogan of Desiring God, John Piper's ministry, God is most is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him, comes from this idea of religious affections and kind of what Jonathan Edwards is saying and, and thinking about. And I'm, I remember one story just to talk about kind of who this man is and to give him, he is, a, I'm like Puritans. He's not flashy. Mm -hmm. He's not like, that's not a Puritan preaching style of having someone who is flashy and charismatic. And, you know, and oftentimes that's related to more, you hear that more of false teachers than you mm -hmm. do of, of the Puritans. But um, Jonathan Edwards and I don't know how true this is. Um, I've heard it in passing was on a horseback ride and could have can cycle through without skip, skipping a beat, seven separate thoughts. And he could like, just go through these cycles. I don't know how he did it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's beyond, but that just tells you who like he's, he's thinking about these things, even the, the resolutions at 19, 20 years old, thinking deeply about these things. And I don't know if we'll get into the introduction or not. I have some comments on there, but that just, even the introduction like plays a big part in how do we think about the resolutions as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it is a far contrast to where we are today, where 19 and 20 year olds aren't thinking through these things. There may be some, so I don't want to broad brush it, some that actually do care about the things of God. Um, but many, um, and sad to say, young men and women that are in their 20s are trying to figure out whether they're a boy or a girl. It's just a sad state of what we are in today. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, Edward, uh, God bless you, brother. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, so we're going to go ahead and... <clears throat> get into these uh, resolutions because uh, we are already 20 minutes in, but it's a good introduction to talk about who Edwards was, who he, who he, what he has contributed to the body of Christ, how we can reflect and think about it. And again, as we said, we can kind of look through some of these resolutions and think, how can we then walk in a way in which we can glorify God? In our walk, because time is fleeting. We don't want to come to the end of our life and say, I wish I would have spent more time here. Matter of fact, I just told my wife today, uh, because I happened to see a meme um, that somebody was sharing about working. 
and and we were just talking about all the overtime that I've had to do over the Christmas holiday and you know people being forced into work and and all this overtime working later hours than normally you would work and this meme said your children won't remember or no nobody nobody will remember all of the overtime that you did except your children they'll remember how much time was missed but your employer and the people that your coworkers they're not going to remember how many hours you put in come the end of your life but your children will yep. know and it just made me think about that how important our time is and to redeem it with our families and even much more greater to redeem it as we seek to glorify God in our walk uh, with him. Uh-huh. So here we are with uh, resolution number one. So before we do number Go one, ahead. I think we should talk about his preface because his preface Go is, for it. Im- is important to, it kind of lays the absolute foundation in which all of this is built on. And I think there's some important points that we can get from it. So the preface starts off with being sensible that I'm not, that I am unable to do anything without God's help. I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sakes. Remember to read over these resolutions once a week. Mm. Why I think this is important is we're going to see a lot of things that he wants to do. Mm-hmm. He wants to do this. He's, I mean, there's 70 things here that he wants to do in his life as he progresses. But all of these things that he wants to do is dependent on the grace of God in his life and the power that is given to him to do these things. Mm. And so, um, why this is important, I think really pushing it back, and this is um, Stephen Nichols just released an article about the resolutions last week or late last week. No, yesterday on Ligonier's He knew he was doing blog. this show and he wanted to get a jump on us is what it was. Yeah, he did. Um, and Stephen Nichols in his blog post yesterday, January 1st, on Jonathan Edwards and says this. The preface undergirds the 70 resolutions to follow, which is crucial to keep in mind. Cutting the resolutions off from the foundation of the preface leads to seeing them as stuff, a personal grit and determination to better oneself, Mm. which we see in the self-help movement. And so when we go through these resolutions, there's going to be a lot of, he's trying to do this. He's trying to do that. But, the resolutions themselves are built upon that God by his grace, according to his will will give Jonathan Edwards the power to do these resolutions. Um, Burke Parsons um, also from Ligonier talks about four points that we can apply. So when we think about resolutions ourselves, the first is being sensible. Have we carefully thought out what our resolutions are? We've kind of discussed this a little bit, but you know, are they reasonable? Mm-hmm. You know, isn't it reasonable just to take an example of not reading my Bible five, you know, seven days a week to try to do it seven days a week? Is like, is that a reasonable expectation? Or do I need to think of something else that can get me to that goal? Like that's a good goal, but is there something I can do that's more reasonable that allows me to improve. 
-hmm. Second, we resolve dependently. We need God's grace. We need God's power in this life as we pursue holiness. Um, we have to have a humble resolved. You see this in thinking about, I lost where, where I have the parable, um, how we approach God. We don't like, this is what we're, I'm going to do and you're going to do it. But we approach God in prayer. If this is your will, help me do these things. And these res all these resolutions are for Christ's sakes. They're to bring honor and glory to Christ and Christ alone. And this, this is the foundation in which now Jonathan Edwards is going to think about, now how do I pursue holiness in God? How is this mm -hmm. going to work out? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so number one here, uh, resolved, that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to glo God's glory and my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of the time, whether now or never so many or, or never so many myriads of ages hence, resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general, resolve to do this, whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great soever. So this resolve to do no matter what it is that he's going to do, regardless of how long it takes, whether it's short amount of time or takes him long time, you know, lives to be a long age, um, to do to the glory of God, whether profit or pleasure. So in his work, in working with his hands to make uh, a way to provide for his family and pleasure, the things that we enjoy, all of this to be done to the God, the glory of God. Huh. Yeah. And you see a hierarchy of how he's thinking about this. Mm -hmm. It's whatever it brings, whatever thing can be most to God's glory. So what am I doing? What am I doing that will bring the most glory to God? And then secondly, my, what brings my own flourishing? So first I think about, okay, what, what's going to be most glorifying to God. And then I think about what's going to help me flourish the most. Obviously there's thinking through that for, you know, his own good, his own um, profit or pleasure. And then just not thinking about himself, but think about what also, what am I going to do that will also help mankind thinking about mm -hmm. my neighbor treat, you know, so you see these, this line of reasoning, what is most for God? How will that, what's then in that narrowing it down to there, what is most profitable for me, but not just for me. What about the rest of mankind? What is it going to do to help everyone else to help my neighbor, to treat my neighbor as myself? Mm -hmm. And and we know that this is the, the greatest commands to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. But how often do we sit down at the beginning of a new year or before the new year begins and making some New Year's resolutions and say, hey, you know, this year I want to glorify God. And I also want to do what is best for my neighbors by putting others' needs above our own. You know, um, and it's something to reflect upon and think about uh, as we consider, you know, uh, going into this new year. Uh, how can I how can I benefit the people in my neighborhood? How can I reach out to the people that I work with? 
and and do things for the better betterment of them rather than mm-hmm. for myself, you know. All right, so moving on, uh, let's see here. We got two, three, and four all on one slide, but we'll go through them one at a time. Um, but uh, here we go. Number two, resolved to be continually endeavoring to find out some new invention and contravent contravance to promote the aforementioned things. So even in this is to promote what he already has previously stated. So uh-huh. endeavoring to find some new invention. And we're thinking at this time, again, Puritans uh, coming into America. You know, it's the new country. Uh, new things are being uh, invented and, 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 and just these things that you're trying to contrive and invent for the, for the glory of God, for the benefit of himself, and then also for the benefit of his neighbor, as he's real correlating that. Anything, Mike? Yeah, I think it's also, it's not just a one, one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Continually endeavoring to find new inventions or um, convenience, contrivances that are doing these things. Looking for, just looking for ways, looking for ideas to help continuing continuing to go like i guess in um the manufacturing you get this continual improvement idea you're always trying to improve the line trying to make it better trying to make it more efficient um that's probably not the best parallel but something like that where you're always looking you're always considering and thinking about not only the first resolution but how can i better achieve those goals and how many times do we kind of just set a goal and not really think about it again Mm. just like strive for it even though there may be easier better ways to achieve that goal so just again kind of that continuing to think about these things yeah and this word which is not a word we we use often here this contrivance um and i'm looking this up here the the definition is the use of skill to bring something about or create something. So in the same uh-huh. vein of this invention or using the skill to bring about something that's going to bring glory to God. And again, as you said, continually um, bring glory to God. Uh, it's going to be for the benef- benefit of, of himself and for, for other, other uh, us around him neighbors. Um, we think of so many inventions that have been invented that are beneficial to us. Um, uh-huh. I know, some years ago, uh, before we moved into where we were, I wanted to get one of them push mowers that you, the old kind that just have the blades. And uh, because I, I kept having problems with the lawnmowers that we would pick up, we'd buy stuff used. I never really would spend a lot of money on a lawnmower, but uh-huh. we always have problems. So I'm like, ah, just get one of these things. You don't have to put gas in it. You don't have this much maintenance. You know, just keep the blade sharp. Well, boy, the boys hated that. <laughs> but you think about the benefits of what we do have, a riding lawnmower uh-huh. or or a lawnmower that's got a motor that the blades propel, self-propelled, and it kind of uh, makes it easier to do your work, which then allows you to have a little more time to maybe spend in another area or get something else accomplished. You know what I mean? So just an example of, of people that were seeking to invent things that would be for the the betterments of all of mankind. And these things are done to the glory of God. 
many things invented have been invented by Christians, you know, not that there are those that aren't Christians that invent things because they've been created in the image of God and God's given them those abilities to do that as well. They just don't give the glory to God when they do that. But all right. So number three, uh, resolved, if ever I shall fall and grow, grow dull um, so as to neglect to keep any part of these resolutions, to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again. This is such a key thing, especially right here early, mentioning this, like when I fall and I grow dull, like I lose that motivation that I repent. I repent. And he's, this coming to himself, it reminds me of the, the prodigal son when he's, you know, at the, the bottom of the bottom, you know, in the pig's trough, and he comes to his senses, right? Yeah. And I think and this is contrary to what we tend to do when we we neglect um, God, we neglect the means of grace he's given to us, or even when we sin, we tend to not, we, we don't go to the Lord in prayer. We don't seek forgiveness from him. And so I think, you know, early on, I mean, this is the third one he's written and thinking about if I fail, if I fall to neglect these things, because these are good things. Obviously this is what he's thinking about. I need to, to repent. And I, and I think it's important that he says all I can remember, mm -hmm. like, like you just go, go to the Lord, whatever you remember at the time you go, you ask for forgiveness and, you know, and to do it, doing it all. But that when he comes, when he thinks about it, when he becomes aware of these things, and if he's supposed to be thinking about these weekly, I mean, how often is he reviewing this, this list for him and thinking about these things? I'm, I'm sure this is often um, something that comes back over and over again. I mean, he's doing this for, you know, 30 years, 40 years, um, just that continual coming back, remembering our fallenness how we have fallen and then seeking the mercy of God. Yeah. And even as when you was reading the preface of reading this once a week to remind yourself how often mm -hmm. we need to be reminded. Yeah. Uh, because we can be quick to forget, quick to forget. That's what Paul, uh, Peter, Peter talks about that in first Peter, the offense to remind them of the things that he has spoken we need that reminder. We need to remember the gospel. All right. So moving on to number four here, it says revolt resolved never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body, less or more, but what tends to the glory of God, nor be, nor suffer it. If I can avoid it. So again, this resolve here, um, seeking to glorify God and never to do anything, whether it's in the soul or body, that's going to dishonor God, that's going to not bring glory to him. And, and 
kind of thinking of trying trying to think through some examples here. Um, I, we were talking about, uh, um, I don't remember why this came up, but my wife and I were talking about Spurgeon from my understanding. Uh, he smoked cigars and pipes uh-huh. and somebody had mentioned, or somebody was using that as a license to be um, sinful with it. And so he made this resolution, so to speak, and said, I've resolved to not do this anymore because I don't want to cause someone to stumble. So he gave up something um, that was of the body that that would have caused others to stumble or was causing some others to stumble. Now, I'm sure there's more that we can do in the body of, of things that are absolutely bad and harmful to us. Um, I think smoking can be harmful to us as well, but but I think that this is along the lines of what he's speaking about. And things to the soul, um, when you sin, sorry, I thought I heard something. When you sin, you know, against God, it's going to affect you. You know, when, when we grieve the spirit, it's going to affect you as well. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think it, you know, you see here a focus, not just physically or spiritually, but that it's both considering mm. both what I do, but also what I think, what, what are, what are my thoughts and are we doing it in a way that honors God? Are we, you know, thinking of the things above us? Are we considering what is going on and being sure that we're using everything we have to the glory of God, you know, to, to think about the greatest commandment, you know, yet again, but in, and kind of this negative, not to, not to do anything that would be dishonoring to God. All right. Number five resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. And we, we talked about this in the beginning about redeeming our time, using our time wisely, not wasting our lives at the end of our lives, looking back and saying, boy, I wish I would have been able to do this. This is something I can honestly say in this last half of the year, um, I have failed in because as I mentioned, all, all the overtime and all the, the work extra hours that I was putting in, my body was so tired and I was worn down that it was much easier to come home and just relax the rest of the night rather than trying to accomplish things that needed to be accomplished, you know, um, just feeling tired. And, and it's not wrong to be tired, but if you just kind of like, I'm just going to lounge, I'm not going to, you know, do anything else. Um, it's not very productive. It's not utilizing that time. And he's saying never to lose one moment of time. And we know how precious time is how precious it is precious it is and why it is so important to not to not do those things but to to use every moment of that time that we have to redeem it uh so, so that it's profitable time with your family uh because before you know it your children are going to be grown up and out of the house we've talked about it in the beginning how fast time goes you know uh-huh. um and they're growing my little one's about to turn 7 years old this month it's crazy to think about where the seven years has gone already. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like that. It's fast. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think too, to, to remind ourselves that in a world of like hyper productivity, like everything is productive, needs to be productive. Sometimes rest and rest, rest and recreation is productive. And yeah. to, to be able to enjoy each other, to enjoy, you know, friends, family, um, I mean, the Sabbath day is a day of rest to come with others and to enjoy God, to in, to come together as a people and to f- put the focus on God. But it's it's a rest from the weariness of the world. And so rest is good. Now, there's a difference between rest and what we talked about last week with being slothful. Mm-hmm. by not doing anything. And I think that's that's a hard balance um to do. But even in that, like is to consider is it more profitable for me to rest a little here now in order to have the strength to do whatever this may be. And that's a valid way cuz I think oftentimes we think of profitable as in it's going to gain me something um and usually in the terms of works and not thinking about rest and how we can use rest in way that brings about better outcomes especially when you think about the mental state of people who just continually work and work and work and work yeah yeah, because um, you know, th- there are those days where you just push your body so much. Like uh-huh. maybe you've gone for a week, maybe two weeks straight, and then you can't do anything but crash because your body breaks down and you get sick, you know, or you're so exhausted that you know you could find yourself in the hospital. That happens to people. Um yeah. Number six here, resolve to live with all my might while I do live. And I think in the same vein, but living to the fullest, you know, not in sinful ways, but living to the fullest, making the best use of all of that time that God has given you and living life to the fullest. And I think we've talked about this on the program in the past, Mike, and we've brought it up many times. We, we often try to be very careful to not fall into the charismatic uh, uh, abuses when they, they talk about the, the, the uh, things that we receive, the blessings from God. Mm-hmm. But God has given us this life. He's given us our children. He's given us things to en- enjoy. As you mentioned, enjoyment, uh, entertainment, doing something isn't necessarily a sinful thing to do. That, that is profitable, can be profitable. Um, and so living life to the fullest making the best use of your time and, and really just living um, is, is not a bad thing here. And, and Jonathan Edwards is saying, I resolved to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of thinking about, again, last week's example with the slothful men, he's, he's laying there in the bed. He's, his vineyard is over, is overworked. He's not doing his work. He's not living with his mind. He's not putting his, his full effort. I mean, this, the idea here kind of think about it is that God has given us the day to do something. He's given us the ability to create or 
um, to kind of work on things and to cultivate the world. And here, Jonathan Edwards is saying, my resolve is to put my entire self to do this work that God has called us to do because work is good. Mm -hmm. God created work. God did work. Work is good. And so I should pour myself, all of myself into what I am doing to do it and not to like do tasks half-heartedly just to like whatever, but to, you know, make sure I'm doing it to the fullest and to the best of my ability while I have the chance to do it. Yeah. I, I, another uh, meme I seen recently was uh, this couple guys was putting a wall together. They were building this wall out of rocks and then cementing it. <laughs> they had all these rocks going the right way, but then they had a few of them that were going <laughs> the wrong way. And it made the wall, you know, off, which then is going to make everything else off. And so you're, mm -hmm. you're just making, mentioning work and doing it the right way to the fullest, you know, but, uh, it's just something that came to mind. I don't know. All right. So at number seven resolved never to do anything, which I should not, or which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Think about that. You know, he's resolving never to do anything, which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. How many things do we put off because we're afraid to do it? You know, evangelism, you know, we're, we're, uh, very passionate about trying to encourage people to evangelize, to, to talk to a neighbor, to share the gospel with someone, pass out a tract. Um, and so many Christians are so fearful to engage, right? And we should not be afraid of this. So many times in the scriptures, it says to not be afraid, be not afraid, right? Um, but he's making this res resolution here to never do anything which I should be afraid to do. Yeah, I think it, it calls us, again, thinking about his resolutions, about having God's help, being willing to do what we're afraid to do, and knowing that God has called us to do it, and that he'll give us the ability to do it. His, I mean, there's that dependence on prayer and the work of the Spirit in our lives to go and to do what is hard, to do what is afraid, not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing that in the end, it is God who will hopefully, if we do it well, give the glory and to to honor him in that way. Mm -hmm. All right, so number eight here is a long one. Uh, resolve to act in all respects, both speaking and doing, as if nobody had been so vile as I. Excuse me. And as if I had committed the same sins or had the same infirmities or failings as others. And that I will let the knowledge of their failings promote nothing but shame in myself and prove only on occasion of my confessing my own sins and misery to God. That is something I think we all could reflect upon um, is this idea of rather than seeking to point the finger, 
Um, not that there's not a time when you need to speak against things or speak out or to confront, but he's saying, look, as I'm looking at these others, I got to think about myself, whether I'm speaking or doing things that I'm the vile one. There's no one more vile than me. Takes you thinking of Paul when he says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Uh Right. And, and I think Edwards here is expressing the same thing and sentiment before I'm so harsh and critical of my brothers and sisters in Christ, I really need to consider myself. And even when you think of uh, Matthew 7, first I need to go and examine that log that is in my eye before I can then rightly come and point out the little speck in a brother's eye. Yeah. I think, you know, self-righteousness kills. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the Pharisee and the tax collector, the Pharisee, at least I'm not like the tax collector, but the tax collector can't lift his eyes. He beats his chest and asks for mercy from, from God. Um, self-righteousness leads to, I mean, it's a form of pride. And so to th- to think about, to be humble, to, to know your position, to think about, yeah, is like to act as if no one had been so vile as I, that to, to see, even when you see people sin, using that to say, you know what, I've done the same thing and I need to confess that sin mm-hmm. and to, to bring about this, this repentance, repentive life that recognizing that we are all our sinners. We all deserve the judgment of God. And then to see when other people fail as an opportunity is like, you know what, have I done that? I need to repent. I need to go to the Lord. And that's going to bring about a change of mercy in your heart to, to change how you think about the person. And then mm-hmm. instead of acting in a way that demands or makes you seem more important than what you are, you now see people as a sinner like you that needs help and mercy and showing the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of the scripture you know that speaks about um, uh, being slow to speak. Because when you... When you take the time to reflect on something before you speak on it, often you start to think, yeah, I'm not any better or I've done the same thing. So then maybe then in, in then when it is time to speak, you're not as, as hard or ungracious to someone in, in a self-righteous kind of way, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Let's see if we can get through some of these because we got about eight minutes left in the program, um, and if not, we'll just pick up where we where we left off. But uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, number nine: resolve to think much on a, on all occasions of my own dying and of the common circumstance which attend death. How often do we think about dying? Um, you know, just even recently having a conversation. Um, with my brothers about my dad and um, wanting to make sure that he has things right when he does die. These are our thoughts that usually come when you're older, but we don't think about this when we're young. And here you think 
how old was he, Mike? You said 19, 20 years old writing these. Yeah. And so here at 19, 20 years old, he's thinking about these things. And my dad is in his seventies. And then, and then others that are older, they think about these as they get towards the end of the life. Hey, I want to prepare so that my kids are, 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 are well off to, to maintain, to, to manage. If I happen to, to die, they'll have the things to provide for and wanting to prepare those things. But to think about these things beforehand and even more so for the unbeliever to think about these things because death is sure. You know, what's that ultimate statistic that you hear Ray Comfort say all the time? 10 out of 10 people die, right? Mm-hmm. We're all going to die. We may be grace, uh, God may be gracious and give us a life of 70, 80 years, or maybe we live to 20, 25, 30. You know, we don't know, or somewhere in between there. And so these are things that we should think of. Are we prepared for when we die? Um, ultimately, spiritually. And then what about with our families? You know, there's wills and making sure things are prepared so that your family doesn't have a burden on them trying to figure things out because it was unexpected. You know, how often does that happen? Yeah. Ecclesiastes 7.2. It is better to go in the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of man, of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Mm-hmm. When we think about our death, that we will one day die. We don't know when. God gives and God takes away. It reminds us here, reminds us of our mortality. We will not live forever. It reminds us to, to number our days, to think about our life and to go and to change how we live. I mentioned earlier Jonathan Edwards doesn't want to look back on his life and regret stuff he didn't do or stuff he did do that he shouldn't have done. And here he is, you know, at a young age, comparably looking forward and saying, okay, what are the things I want to do now, knowing that I will die that I don't want to regret. And so to to think much on this, on, how I want my life to go. Um, and, and thinking, you know, through this again, Stephen Nichols on his article on the resolutions um, from yesterday talks about that. John, the Jonathan Edwards that we know is not the Jonathan Edwards that writes this, but mm-hmm. the Jonathan Edwards that writes this is going to become the Jonathan Edwards that we come to know. And it's because he's thinking much about, here, his time, his death, what, and not living a life that he would regret to live. Mm. Yeah. All right. Number 10 resolved. When I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom and of hell. Wow. I mean, just reading that and thinking about that, how often, and I, I joke about this, you know, like with my wife and and she can attest to it. But when, when the kids are sick or, or things, you know, people are sick in the house. When my wife's sick, she keeps pushing through and she's got to get this done and she's still got to get this done. When I'm sick, I'm like the biggest baby in the house. When I get a little aches and pains, you know, um, but that's small in comparison 
to the pains that those have faced in martyrdom or those that the, the pain that those will experience in hell. Right. Um, we will experience some things and, and that's small, like my little sicknesses, little pains, aches and pains in my body. That's small potatoes, right? Not dismissing it. That is if it's not, you know, something that somebody's going through that it's, it's just dismiss that we should be dismissive of things like that, but it's small compared to that. And when you think of, of doing the work of Christ, doing the work of God to honor him, there's going to be pain and trials and things in which you face sufferings that's going to take place. Uh, I know a brother who serves in India who has been beaten and drug on a motorbike by a chain for preaching the gospel and, and beaten till he was unconscious. And, and that is just a small thing to think about in comparison to those who are suffering in hell for all eternity. And, and I think that's what, what Edwards here is conveying, that this thought of when I think about the pains that I'm experiencing, and we know this man died of smallpox, right? So the, the suffering that he endured with that, but to think about these things and to think of others who are going to suffer even greater are those who went to martyrdom for the faith. Yeah, again, it's, it's putting in perspective. My mm -hmm. pain, my little stomach pain, my headache, is not comparable to the martyrs who were burned at the stake and did it joyfully singing hymns and praying to God mm -hmm. or the punishment in which those who do not believe will face when God pours his justice on them. And again, it puts it in, in perspective. perspective yep that you know there pain is a sign of the fall and it should ref, and we should reflect on on the fall and then ultimately the one who has reversed the curse yeah all right number 11 here it says resolved when i think of when i think of any theorem in divinity to be solved immediately to do so or to do what I can towards solving it if circumstances don't hinder. And, and I think, um, and correct me if you, if you think he's going here is in, in divinity speaking on studying out the divinity of, of God and looking at the divinity of Christ and to understand that, is that, that you think where he's going? I would here? say, I would say divinity as in the kind of the whole, the, the body of doctrine that is Christianity. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So when I think of any theorem in divinity to be solved immediately to do whatever I can towards solving it, um, if circumstances don't hinder. So again, kind of thinking about probably maybe a good example being that Christmas just came. How can Jesus be fully God or truly God and truly man? What mm -hmm. does it mean that Christ assumed a body. Like these are theorems of divinity that are difficult to think through. Like, what does it mean that Christ assumed? Did he add something? Did Christ gain something as divinity? Or can one assume something without gaining? These are kind of more mm -hmm. um, analytical theology related, but that's kind of the, the sense. Yeah. That and is to. Go ahead. 
Yeah, that is to to think about theology. And if it doesn't seem to be solved, try try to solve it. Try to think right. through it. If, you know, the, the seeming contradictions that Christianity that we may have in our minds, try to solve it if you're able to solve it. If you're, you know, the circumstances don't hinder you not to. Yeah. And and we've talked about this on a program before that theology matters. Theology is important. And so while there are some things that are just set in scripture, plain, easy to understand, um, and we accept those things. But there are some things that are that take a little more digging in, trying to really reason through and think through. Um, and I think we shouldn't have the attitude as Christians to just say, eh, it doesn't really matter. You know, like, I'll figure it out when I'm dead, you know, or the Lord will show me then. No, we should seek to know these things because those kind of questions are important when you start talking about um, the, the, the nature of Christ, th that he's divine and yet human. How does this how does it, how does this happen? Well, how do, how do we think through this? Because I heard a lot of heretical teachings over Christmas time from some individuals that are pretty, I mean, they're known to be heretical, but still many people follow some of these individuals and they've made comments about Christ that he, he was the father and things that were, are stated that are heretical sayings. But it's because they're not taking the time to really think through these issues, and they're just kind of espousing what they've heard and what they've been taught, rather than let me really think through this about uh, you know uh, the divinity of Christ and uh, these these other doctrines that are important because all doctrine is important. Um, all right, so number twelve, resolved. If I take delight in it as a gratification of pride or vanity or on any such account, immediately to throw it by. So if you're taking delight in something and it's uh, as gratification in pride, vanity, these things, then he, he throw it out. Just, I need to remove on, probably go back to, I think it was number three, to repent of it and uh, confess it. Yeah, I think, again, you see, um, I think some of this is relating to when the Apostle Paul talks about that all things are lawful, but not all things are good. And obviously when you kind of gratification of pride or vanity, um, that's tending towards a sinful side, um, or at least the thing may not be sinful, but he has sinful, um, emotions or something attached to it. And I think you see this again, kind of that the thinking about, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What should I be doing? And the reasons why. And again, it's just a deeper thought about how should I live my life? What am I, am I doing something that is, am I doing this so I can be prideful that I can be like, yeah, look what I did. This is what I did. Or that it, it really doesn't matter in the end. Like it, it's a vanity. It's here now, but it's going to be gone you mentioned working overtime, like kind of the, the, the vanity of, of that. Is there other things that just don't matter that I take, that I'm, that I'm doing when I should be focusing on something else that does matter? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously overtime for some jobs is required and that's not saying that's all vanity, but your mentality towards it, like, 
I know some people who any time over time was offered. They're like on top of it. And that was like a source of like of pride or, you know, for whatever means they may have with it. I think that's it causes us to think about why are we doing these things? And then uh, and also the consequences, like, is this going to be something that I can take value in that will help? Again, going back to it, is this going to be most glorifying to God, most profitable for me and in general, good for all of mankind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, number 13 here, it says resolved to be endeavoring to find out fit objects of charity and liberality. And liberality is to to, to uh, sparingly give, to spend freely, basically. Uh -huh. um, and so this endeavor is, is finding uh, individuals who have needs and being charitable and giving and freely spending, not, not like holding back um, in that. Um, sometimes I think when um, we often, I shouldn't say we often as if it's everybody does this, but there are times where I think people give, but they give their, their second best or their um, what they no longer need that let's give it away. And it's not nothing wrong in that, but rather than going out and somebody needs a coat, you go buy them a coat. You know what I mean? Um and so these are just things to think through. And I know we can't always do that um, financially. Maybe you can't do that. So you're still, if you're giving, you're giving. I don't want to minimize that, you know, but at the same time, I'm saying like, you're not holding back what you have in the sake of helping others. If someone needs you pull out of your pocket, you give. I think of those in uh, the book of Acts who sold their land and then gave everything to the needs of the church of those that had need. Um, you know, just that mentality of thinking about the needs of others and how can I help them? I'm looking for people who have needs and I want to meet those needs to the best of my, my, my financial abilities. Yeah. I think too here to think about it is to find out fit objects, objects that yeah. um, do have legitimate needs and then to be a cheerful giver, to give what you can to help them out. Maybe it's a, ministry that you're passionate about they've been beneficial for you and now you give to that ministry so that they can continue their work in spreading the gospel or mm -hmm. you know I'm, I'm southern baptist taking times to give to the lottie moon foreign missions fund so that imb missionaries can be able to go which is above and beyond my our normal giving to help missions abroad or Annie Armstrong coming up in for Easter for North American missions. And to think about what are true needs that I can help cover that I can give to cheerfully on uncoerced and to, to help my fellow believers to my fellow church members. Yeah. All right. Number 14, we'll, we'll get to 15 and then we'll close it out for tonight. Um, we spent a good amount of time in the introduction of getting to know Jonathan Edwards. So hopefully next week we, we'll go a little bit faster through some of these, um, but still doing good time. I think. <laughs> and we just lost Ricky. So we're going to finish. Okay, something happened here.
Second, hey. I don't know what just happened there. I don't know what happened. Something happened. Uh, sorry about that. All right, here we go. Some Mike, you didn't do that, did you? No, it wasn't me. Yeah, something kicked us out here. All right, so all right, so number fourteen resolved never to do anything out of revenge, and this is important. We are never to seek revenge. Um, the Lord will bring about about vengeance is His, and so, uh -huh. but there are times when I've noticed and seen things, especially online, where people want to get back at somebody, or uh -huh. they did me wrong. I'm going to go do them wrong. And so Edwards is resolving here never to do anything out of revenge. And, and that's something we really have to be conscious about and think about. You know, if somebody does me wrong, am I seeking to find ways to do them wrong? Or am I seeking to be gracious despite the fact that I've been wronged? Right. And we should really resolve to be that way because it's Christ-like to be that way. Those who reviled him those who scorned him, right? Mm -hmm. And and yet, what does he do? He lays down his life for sinners. So we need to really resolve to be this way to the best of our ability. And of course, as you mentioned in the preface, relying upon the grace of God to allow us to, to walk in this way. Yeah. Proverbs 24, 29. I feel like we've talked about this recently. It says, do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. See in um, uh, Romans 12, that God, that vengeance is the Lord, and he's given the government to exercise his vengeance. Um, and they hear now, and then ultimately the Lord will avenge all of those who um, reject the son and are, fallen, are found still in their sin. So we're called to not to be pacifists, but to never do anything out of revenge, out of kind of this hatred and spiting. It's not loving to our neighbors. You don't want your neighbor to do that. You want them to act in mercy and towards love. Also, I think then with that related is that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. yeah. And to think about what love and mercy can play and how it counters kind of our sinful anger when we seek to um, revenge for something wrong done to us. Yeah. All right. So our final one for tonight resolved never to suffer the least motions of anger to irrational beings. I mean, doing evangelism, there's many times I've had conversations with people who were completely irrational, who it was not, even worth continuing a conversation with these types of individuals, but we shouldn't get angry over it uh -huh. because we need to remember, but by the grace of God, there go I, uh -huh. he opened my eyes. He changed my heart. The word is powerful to change hearts. The gospel is powerful to bring about transformation. When the spirit moves on that individual's heart as the gospel is being proclaimed, as they're being pricked by the word. So we need to not be angry with those irrational people. Sometimes, as the Bible says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest he thinks he's wise in his own eyes. It's time to shake the dust off your feet and move on and not be angry about it. Yeah. A soft answer, a soft answer turns away wrath. 
mm-hmm. we think about you know how we are to conduct ourselves when people are angry um as greg kokel has says once someone gets angry you've lost you've lost and so the the resolve to not be angry with someone being irrational um takes quite a bit of strength let's let's be face it like sinfully we want to respond in anger so it does take a lot of the lord's restraining grace on us and his power to to keep us from sinning but just the call to be able to not be angry and in doing so and not being angry you are clearer to think through what's happening how much is anger that it just it's all it comes out emotively there's no time to stop and be thoughtful what you do i mean Mm -hmm. this is what all the resolutions are for and so to not to suffer to not be angry at someone's being irrational is showing self-control and giving you a a clear-headedness to process the situation um for whatever may be best to kind of resolve the issue and to become at peace with the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I hope that's been um, informational, educational, helpful to those who um, have tuned in with us tonight here as we've gotten through 15 of the resolutions. There are 70. Um, and so our goal is to, we have two more uh, episodes, uh, to go through all of, all of these. And if we don't finish, we'll, we'll just pick up and and add another part four, um, to finish it out. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think those are things we definitely can think through, you know, and as you mentioned in the beginning as in his preface, he, he mentions of reading this through again, once a week to remind himself. Uh, and, and I think it's a good practice that if we write down some resolutions of our own, that we constantly go back to those to remind ourselves, because as we've already mentioned, we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded often uh, because how quickly we can forget. And um, ultimately our desire should be to glorify God. Um, And then as he said, glorify God, do that which is beneficial to himself uh, and then to those around him, mankind. And so that's how we should seek to want to live out our lives. Mike, any closing thoughts, final words you'd want to add uh, to these resolutions here tonight or anything that we, we talked about? Yeah. I think when we think about resolutions, um, I think just the fact that he wrote 70, now these come from his diary. So there's some, there is some of that um, in which to think about, but I was kind of thinking about this, like, how can I apply this? Cause obviously not all these are going to like, we're not Mm -hmm. saying like you should be do reviewing this list. If that's something you want to do, that's, and that's sensible, that's fine. But, um, I'm reminded of RC Sproul and when he talks about prayer and that we, when we pray, we need to be specific, not to kind of give general, Vagalities. Now I know I've been on the receiving of end of this, of the heretical aspects in which the word of faith brings about being specific. I think I've told the story about the one time I had to pray for a lady and her Chrysler 500 uh, M. That's not what I'm talking about, but we should be playing, praying specifically that God answers our prayers and R.C. Sproul says this, 
because then we can see how God has answered our prayers. When we pray specifically, when we write down our resolutions, and in some sense, this as a, a continual reminder and prayer to God for us to, to do these things, we can see how God has changed and work in our lives. And the fact that he wrote this down, and maybe that's what, you know, to think about things that I want to change in my life spiritually, to, to write it down and to think about it and to pray about it so that not only can I, I bring my requests to the Lord, I can hopefully in time, if the Lord gives, see how God honors that prayer as he answers it for me. I mean, James talks about we receive not because we ask not mm -hmm. and that God will never turn away us asking for wisdom, asking for him to reveal himself through his scriptures by his spirit. And so I think the resolutions helps us to be reminded that we might not need 70 of them. We may only have two or three, but we should have something that is specific that we can pray to God so that we can see God work in our lives in those ways and document how he's working in our lives. Because I think sometimes spiritually, we don't see God working in our lives. And I wonder at times it's because we're not being specific and we're not writing these down so that we can say, you know what? God has been working in my life. I may mm -hmm. not be able to perceive it, but I've been writing down his mercies. I've been writing down my prayers and I see how he's been um, working in my life. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, that's been uh, G220 Radio for tonight. Again, next week we will be back with episode number 600. And it was 599. Ooh. So episode number 600 uh, we'll be looking at part two of the 70 resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, anything you'd like to add to the conversation, uh, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that is g220radio at gmail.com. Uh, and if you do um, have something to add to this conversation, maybe how this looking at the resolutions has been helpful to you, how maybe you do your own New Year's resolutions uh, and try to follow through with those, uh, you can send those in the email and, and just put... Uh, uh, the, the title or subject of resolutions, and maybe we'll even read those on if you don't mind us reading them uh, as well. So uh, until next time, that's been G220 Radio. God bless and good night.